0: Two, the power of more from Brockmeyer and Salo. Innovation thinking.
1: When we think about innovation, most people tend to think of technical innovation first. But cultural and social change is no less important as a driver of innovation. The possible positive effects of a cross-sectoral view of innovation and the resulting benefits are the subject of today's episode. Before we get our guest into the conversation, I would like to introduce the co-host of the podcast, Dieter Brockmeyer, the innovation expert at the Diplomatic World Institute. Hello Dieter, how are you today?
2: Oh, I'm great and it's special fun to have Johanna here since we are basically having the same approach on innovation. I talk about holistic innovation and she is talking about cross-sectoral innovation, so it will be a very nice talk, I'm sure. Johanna is the head of
1: the IFA laboratory based in Brussels. We welcome Johanna Su. Nice to have you with us today, Johanna. Hello.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Hello. Very nice to be here.
1: Johanna, what made you to what you're doing today? Please tell us about yourself and the laboratory.
0: First of all, I created EFA Laboratory because I wanted to contribute to the valorization of the culture and creative sectors. And on this specific topic of, of innovation, I guess a, a frustration over the gaps um, in the understanding of, of creativity and, and innovation that can often be terms and concepts that are rather um, superficial. And... Uh, To say something about um, uh, who I am, so I've been working uh, for uh, 20 years actually now in culture and and, uh, culture sectors. Today I'm specialized with IFA laboratory in culture and international relations, but also then on the role uh, of the artist in innovation, in wider innovation, not only in culture or creative sector innovation, but uh, going beyond that so um and i started to work on that in in different constellations um f- also with artisans of innovation which is a company in the uk that i co-funded um and we work also uh, more wider macro level cross-sector ecosystem uh, creation how can the creative economy be a driver in the knowledge and, and innovation economy but then also um on, with IFA Laboratory, where one of the fields of expertise is, or, or focuses, transfer um, of skills and perspectives from the artistic professions to other sectors. And uh, maybe I can say something about values, because values is something that I, I, I think I will come back to. And uh, that important values for me personally has always been impact and contributions. And I... I think that uh, we are living in a more and more value based society. And I will get back to the, to the point of values when I explain a bit further. I
2: doubt a little bit by what you're saying that we are living in an age of values because what I'm seeing is that we, we are going almost, uh, that we're going very strongly towards a very technical approach. Everything needs to be analyzed and you need to see the result uh, popping up before you start something doing. And I think it's very important that we return to a more value-based approach because otherwise things will become very easily, very selfish. And then, of course, we come back to the issue of ethics. The topic becomes more popular again, but I think it's for the reason that a lot of people realize or see what's going on right now as not very value and ethical ethically based anymore so I'm sure uh, that's something we really need to discuss about and
0: I think I misformulated have- myself I really mean that the world needs more than ever values right now and that is why I also think it is very important to talk about values and uh, I will get to that when I talk a bit about challenges as well um, but so I would prefer to save that for later but uh, I, I completely agree with you <laughs>
1: Before we talk about the values and I think it's a very important topic, please let's talk about the concept of cross-sectoral innovation and uh, please explain us what is the difference from the sole innovation view.
0: So it all depends obviously of course you started to talk about what is innovation and, and uh, you know what kind of innovation are we talking about and that is extremely important as I mentioned also in the beginning that it's. I think these are often concepts that are, uh, you know, superficially approached. Unfortunately, however, um, I define innovation then. Uh, of course, this is about solutions that, you know, uh, improve something uh, in the past that was created in the past, or it's about finding a completely new solution to a problem, for example. And what I'm talking about is human-driven innovation. And for me, then, human-driven in, in innovation is behind all sorts of innovations so product process or business model uh, innovation and we humans, we are the ultimate consumers and, and you can think about that as well in such a very advanced uh, context as artific- artificial intelligence, for example. Um, And for me, um, you know, creating innovation and work on creativity and these sorts of things, you you really need a favorable favorable climate for that. Um, You need to establish a culture of innovation. This should be a sphere, a climate, uh, an ambience where people feel freedom and motivation to contribute, to listen, to uh, be open uh, with to other ideas so how do you actually create you know a a mental space for innovation that is what I'm talking about and um, when I'm talking about cross-sector innovation then and skill and perspective transfer I talk about actually how do you build innovation into your personality so for me, this is something that should transcend all sectors. This has nothing to do with one particular sector. It's actually about. Um, someone mentioned this uh, American senator and also a previous presidential candidate in the U.S., Mike Huckabee. He uh, made the comparison to operating systems, and I I do believe that that's an excellent metaphor because you know you have a hard data, and then you have the operating systems. And for me, how can something possibly work well if you don't have an excellent operating system being able to assess and Treat that data properly. So, my experience um, showed that the, and also research we have been going through, of course, um, that the skills that are so valuable today in the knowledge and innovation economy and what we call the fourth industrial revolution, these are skills that come back to the very essence of what the artist is, what he's doing. It's about thinking after the box. It's about pro- complex problem solving, intuition, active listening, emotional intelligence, very important, and empathy. Let's not forget that. It's about connecting and making connections. And These are also all at the uh, core of of, uh, creativity, actually. This is about creative intelligence. And then we also have uh, the notion of culture intelligence that is very important, but that is not, of course, only uh, connected to the artist. That is about creating diversity in groups in order to make innovation happen in the end. So all of these skills that the artistic professions have an abundance of, I think that uh, they should do the best of, you know, the, a very good um, deed with the operating systems of people. That's, that's what I mean.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's an, a very interesting comparison of uh, the hardware and the operating system. Could you give us an example for cultural intelligence?
0: For culture intelligence, uh, well, you know, for me, for me, that is really about um, that is really about diversity. That is about understanding the importance of diversity. It's actually as, as simple as that, which is not always a very easy thing. But I can tell you a bit more about uh, I can tell you a bit more about skills and perspective transfer, if you wish, and I can tell you a bit more about you know, about the actual, how these things work or how I, you know, give a couple of examples to maybe clarify these parts a bit more. Um, And for me, this all comes down to the creative process. Um, It it comes down to being as close as possible to the artistic uh, creation process. And metaphors uh, can be a good uh, clarification here. So, for example, if you take an example of an orchestra director, how does he uh, make uh, the orchestra play that fantastic music and make that extraordinary moment to happen? You know, how can uh, that be transferred to a company with the different team players? How can that exercise actually help leaders to? you know, get a more complete vision about what leadership is and how it should be. Um, and in terms of product innovation, uh, to take a more tech-related example, then um, Apple, for example, how could they come up with their fantastically successful computers? They did not only do that with engineers and ICT Technicians, they also did that with designers, artists and anthropologists. And therein lies as well, actually, the cultural intelligence, you know, the cultural intelligence in going beyond sectors, in going, you know, beyond uh, frontiers and, uh, you know, interact and confront views with different ways of thinking, which is an extremely, at the essence of, of, of skills and perspective transfer, you say the
1: open-mindedness is, is very important. Could we also then reflect that societies which are less politically open-minded dictatorships, would they be less innovative?
2: They definitely are, in in many ways.
0: Yeah, but I mean, it's, of course, sure. it's, it's because also, I mean, a dictator is not very, <laughs> by definition, should not be very open to other uh, views and ways of seeing and doing. So I would, uh, you know, definitely say, you know, yes. If you look at you,
2: cultural expression, when, when you, uh, the, the concept of Entartete Kunst that the Nazis were promoting, this was exactly uh, turning back anything that a modern society was had created at this point. So of course they had, the innovation was there in the, in the technical aspects to support the uh, the rigid system, but uh, but on the other side the climate itself was not very good, and uh, you could see that in the long run the innovation. Was much stronger from the uh, from the Allies against Germany, and so at some point, of course, they were they were able to over to overtake and to score the victory. This was because uh, the drive of innovation was not lasting long enough.
0: I agree, but I mean, how much in history haven't you seen? And unfortunately, that is happening all the time today as well. That you know, um, artists are censored. I mean, there is a lot of. Um, There are a lot of, you know, I think art has, um, for me, you know, you can always talk about art for art's sake and and art for, uh, you know, driven by a various amount of different things. And art is an extremely um, strong communicator because, you know, art really um, links to people's feelings and emotions. Thereof it is, you know, a very strong tool also on one hand, and, you know, that it can be used and misused. And uh, I am, uh, you know, uh, going back to dictators again, I do think that, you know, (laughs) obviously they have artists to express themselves against uh, whatever dictatorship is going on. And uh, what did I want to say? I wanted to say that also, you know, I think that, in terms of dictators, you say that they can be very innovative. I guess yes. You know there are different things can, that can drive creativity. Obviously, you know urgent need as well. Uh, no matter on in what that is fun founded, I think can really drive creativity. And we have also seen that COVID nineteen obviously in various ways uh, drives creativity. And, uh, you know, the urgency of a situation can drive creativity. So I think it's also very interesting, and that is also something that we're looking at in the research I will mention later. Um, you know, the parallels, what are the actually exact parallels between the disruption of artistic um skills and perspectives in the corporate and organizational context compared to the disruptive um, context of COVID. And uh, I, there is definitely a link. And I think that um, COVID opens up, and that is was well, something we have said earlier in discussion, that it's something that opens up for another way of seeing, which is uh, a positive thing in the middle of all of this darkness. <laughs>
1: I think we can make the statement that dictatorial systems fortunately do not last long compared to history and human mankind they come up but they disappear uh, in a certainly short time but I would like to talk a little bit more about examples of cross-sectoral innovations what kind of, what kind of example would you pick
0: it is really about for example just making a team experience what the skills are actually what these skills are actually about the skills in the fourth industrial revolution and that can enable a team a management team to actually you know understand these skills to really understand them and act upon them but okay but yeah but this is what we're really talking about this is what it would mean in our everyday life Mm -hmm. you know and i think that doing that exercise you know practical like learning by doing realizing by doing is extremely important and another way, I mean, to, to, to concretely look at uh, skill and, 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 and perspective transfer is arts based learning. You know, you work through different art disciplines on different topics like values, internal, external communication, company culture. And this always gives a very clear picture and understanding of actual problems. So you bring something out of a specific context. And I just relate also to another social innovation project that I was working on, um, we used comic strip innovation, creation, sorry, creation for bringing out something of a group, which is in this particular context were a group of teenagers living in a stigmatized community. And we used um, comic strip to make them talk about stigmatization and raising awareness around that. So we brought something out of that group um, uh, to, to, to talk about the stigmatization within their community. So I think that you know what is important as well in this kind of practice is to you know the playful part that bring people out from the lateral context, the lateral organization, that where they're always confronted with the same thing, and then en- it enables them to another environment where other types of connections, where other types of connections are made. So you know it's a lot about. Um, giving access to the childlike mind uh, and the art disciplines are very much related to that. so I think uh, again that the the metaphor with the, with the operating system uh, is very is, is a very good one because uh, it is it is really you know the artistic practice the processes and, and the culture of these artistic professions that that can help with these operating systems of people so, yeah.
2: Uh, I think what we not, uh, what we haven't talked about yet is uh, the aspect of how are things connected because any decision or any uh, innovation I'm implementing has, has not only affect the intended effect uh, in my sector I'm working with uh, I'm working in, but it also has a more uh, more or less quick or with delay effect on other sectors. And very often people are just not thinking about these other effects. They only see their their specific sector. And this, of course, is creating uh, or is able to create quite a lot of trouble because one thing that is uh, creating a good impact in one sector suddenly has something uh, the opposite effect on on another sector that may be in the the whole picture uh, much more significant for the entire thing. We have to create awareness for that because very often people are just not aware of the consequences of what they're doing in the, in the sectors to other sectors. And can you? Can, sorry, can you make an example? The very easy thing is when you implement something, a tool that is, makes a process in a company more efficient. In the beginning, it's always that it is only here for for helping the people, and then that now they they can focus on more important things and they have more time for the more important stuff but of course this is not the outcome of it the outcome is that the employer sees sees the opportunity of saving money and making uh, and creating more higher margins out of its operations so of course jobs will be uh, will be cut and in the end the remaining workers have much more to do and uh, are much more under stress and much more people are made redundant. And that's actually a situation we are in right now uh, quite strongly with all the, the uh, artificial intelligence yes. developments. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm, sorry, I have a problem with that, because artificial intelligence is an overstressed phrasing of, of a problem which we can't really describe. Artificial intelligence is definitely there. It is available. It is developing. But it is nothing that is in the middle of our work life right now
2: not yet but it's but it's but it's starting to get there and in a, you already have shop cuts in uh, in many fields caused mm. by I,
1: I i disagree the job cuts are probably because of digitalization and automation But the artificial intelligence itself will probably influence our life uh, significantly in 10 or 15 years. Okay,
2: then, uh, but uh, you already said uh, uh, artificial intelligence is part of the digitalization. So uh, it's still the same problem. Mm. Okay.
1: But isn't that, isn't that the, the technical innovation that we have since millions of years for the human can, uh, mankind?
2: Of course, but it, uh, it, it was only one, uh, one very obvious example where, uh, where you can illustrate it very, very uh, simple, uh, easily. Uh, you have a similar effects uh, in, uh, in other fields too. You reduce waste in one field. And suddenly you realize that in a in a completely different sector you suddenly you exported the problems to third world countries because you move the waste away from your country, but uh, it's it's dumped somewhere else. So that's a very similar thing. Um, okay. So and how would cross sectoral
1: innovation help here?
0: <laughs> well, but I would say maybe my my. You know, I I was discussing this with my colleague uh, the other day. You know, like how how can uh, can artificial intelligence go so far so it becomes emotionally intelligent and can help out in these ways that you know artists can in 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 artistic professions and the culture of the artistic professions can in these contexts that we are working on. And I would say no, because, uh, you know, it's, the, the computers are as intelligent as the people who program them, and a computer can repeat. A computer can already reproduce any kind of painting. It can reproduce any kind of song type or music style, um, but it cannot create a new one. I can create a new one that the artificial intelligence cannot do, and I don't believe it will be able to do that. <laughs> so, and,
2: and actually, this reproducing, that's, that it only can, uh, uh, can reproduce something you put in before, uh, this brings us, I think, directly to the issue of values, because you have this future much stronger than today. You have these automated processes based on algorithms. And this is only repeating the things that you made it understand that you programmed it. So that means it cannot take independent decisions and it cannot uh, evaluate what is right, what is wrong. And it thinks, and uh, this really is, is going to become a problem, a solvable problem, problem, of course, but in order to bring values back. But for the, for the short time or in a short period, my fear is that things have become very much schematic and uh, so a lot of the, the diversity of values will be, uh, will be limited.
1: But how is that really influencing us humans in a social, in a cultural way to use cross-sectoral innovation to achieve better goals?
0: But I mean, I mean again, it depends on what you talk about when you talk about cross-sector innovation. First of all, for me, then I mean, if it comes down to the 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 micro level or or even macro, of course, because cross-sector innovation, it's on all levels. It's about building up an ecosystem for that, and it goes from education to you know uh, to all through your life and professional life, and it's about you know putting up uh, putting together both policy incentives and Hubs and pilot projects and programs. Now, in the beginning, to make that start happening, the more we can uh, raise awareness and uh, understand about, you know, why something is important for someone, why a value is important for someone. then I think it becomes much uh, more easy to to collaborate. And I I bring that back to the challenges of of, 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 what I have described earlier. Um, Values is a big problem uh, or a big problem. I mean, it's a challenge that we have to overcome in terms of of, uh, uh, collaboration between artistic sectors and non-artistic sectors. I, I just... Uh, say it that bluntly because I think it can be quite confusing to talk about culture and creative industries and then you know so and and also you know it's actually um, about you know the artistic professions profoundly as a core and then um, you know sectors who have profoundly other type of Ways of behaving, via value systems—you uh, know—in in, in 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 the way of doing and working and so on. So there are different values. You think in different ways. You speak different languages. That so you have different assumptions about things. And this language issue is also then a problem because you still need much more of a common language. Um, that that I have seen all the time, and that is something that I have been working with all the time since I started to work on this field. And it goes in both directions. Now, I mean, I am working more directly so far, you know, and of, of the scans transfer of the artistic uh, skills and, uh, and and perspectives to the other sectors. But of course, it goes the other way around as well. Um, and so, I think that you know. Translation, mediation and uh, brokering, so-called cultural brokering, is needed in all forms of cross-sector collaboration. Someone who understands the big picture taps into both sides and can efficiently translate uh, and and facilitate uh, a collaboration. I think it's it's extremely hard otherwise, uh, you know, uh, for for two groups, for example, let's say, that have never had experience. How would they know where to start? It could be very painful for both sides, actually. Um, And uh, I would say that if I can continue on challenges, you know, I think that this is also a, a time exercise. It's not quick fix. As I uh, mentioned, I think earlier as well, it's, uh, you know, it's about realizing that uh, it's uh, over time action that will actually change people, human centric innovations about people and people do not change after one workshop one day. And, uh, you know, I come back there actually to the measurement because the measurement um, is, is also uh, a, a very big challenge uh, in this field. But I would then also add, you know, and the different values again around measurement. How do we measure and why do you measure in a certain way? Is measurement actually the right term? So maybe evaluation is a better term. Um,
1: sorry, so, sorry. If I, if I jump in here, because this measurement, and then we come to the values and the evaluation. Measurement is something very important for CEOs of companies. They only run projects where they can measure an outcome. It is important in our life style, at least in the OECD, 10 countries, we need to measure, otherwise we can't manage uh, problems, things, humans, whatsoever. That is the common sense we have in this uh, world. If it's good or bad, I don't know, but this is the common sense. So how can you measure um, cross-sectoral innovation.
0: You can set up your your key performance indicators, but you have to do that. Uh, you have to agree on on how you actually do that. You know, you you have to do that in a collaborative collaborative manner. Uh, for example, you can evaluate if managers have been, you know, uh, better leaders after having been a set of workshop or one or several workshops on about communication and leadership. You can check afterwards, you know, how are they actually communicating with the staff? Is that in, is that perceived like an amelioration or not? And you can evaluate the situation pre and post engagement and ideally of course again over time. So you can of course also evaluate what did this actual participant participants, what did they learn about themselves? What did they learn about the others? Did some new thoughts occur to them on this very topic issue that we were working on today? Um, who is also doing the evaluation? I think that is a, that is a, another very important point. You know, is it um, a top down process, or again something that you do inclusively and participatory uh, in a way that is supposed to be a good fit for all? You know, who who is this done for? Is it done for the CEO who has a specific w- certain view of things, or is it actually done for the human? Uh, You know, workforce of the company for the people who are working there, or you know, or are these very well merged? Is it all um, a very well working uh, organization that has this uh, that has this um, uh, uh, vertical? You know, is it? you know is it like or like try is it no is it more like do do we have some values that transcend the whole organization and is it all in good communication and in good shape you know is it in in what kind of spirit is something done? I think that is extremely important to look at, so I don't know. I would like to challenge all of this with saying you know. Is measurement inaccurate to human-centric innovation because of the human engagement and human relations? By saying that, challenging that, I am not saying that you cannot evaluate, that you cannot understand how something has improved something. That you can, but again, in what way are you putting together that kind of measurement or, or evaluation? So, And then, of course, I mean, there, are, there, are, there, there is concrete research on, you know, what kind of, of impact did arts-based learning have on groups? What kind of impacts did various types of art based learning and artistic interventions in organizations and companies have? There is. And we, this is also something, of course, that we take into account in this research that we are doing. Dito do
2: agree yes but uh, as i said before i mean uh, i think this absolute paradigm of measurement and uh, that measurement is uh, it's a source of everything is maybe not always uh, the right approach uh, to be uh, to be a, a, a in in innovative sometimes the ideas are just popping up and you need you have to give them space to try it out you have it very often i mean that what was alex pinker was saying in the other, in the other episode about his work where he was working with his client that was trying a new idea it didn't work after a week or a month and then he uh, he nixed this idea and turned towards another idea and of course there wasn't a space available to, to develop this idea and to make it work. I think one of the, the, the key problems we have here is that people are just too much measure centric and
0: don't give enough time for things to, for, for a new approach yeah, to develop. Exactly. How do, how do you measure success? And I guess that is also different, you know, that you can also debate. But I would like to make a a parallel to um, something else. I said that I was also working on culture and international relations. And I remember very much a discussion I was involved in uh, a while ago where, um, you know, it was stated that we actually, from our hierarchy in the government, we get uh, actually the wrong questions. The questions are set in a way for our reporting. So it's impossible for us to actually innovate because we have to respond to these questions. By responding to these questions, we will go in the same path as always, and we will correspond to numbers about certain indicators that actually do not say anything about what qualitative relations and trust relations that have been created between people in these projects that have possibly been undertaken. So they could maybe want to do, you know, they would like to do maybe the most amazing innovative projects that would both have an impact on the life of culture and and, and artistic professionals... And also, maybe on, on, you know, on on the on the trust, on the image, on the brand that that country actually has or would like to have, um, but they cannot because they're responding to a set of questions that are not actually accurate for human relations. So I think that's a good.
1: But isn't that the use of the wrong key performance indicators that were reported? to measure a situation which is not measurable by these key performance
2: indicators the problem is that these uh, that uh, these indicators have defined as a standard and uh, it, of course you know, what we need is a is a is a redefinition
1: mm-hmm. i totally agree but governmental systems never showed the most visionary measurement tools This is a a governmental standard, so probably it's a wrong sector to prepare that kind of innovation there.
2: Well, it
0: sometimes happens. I guess it's. uh, I had this other discussion, which was about, you know, how do you actually (laughs) implement change? And um, I, we, I, this the person I was talking about. We were actually talking about exactly the same thing, but she was using the expression, you know, how does the little system? disrupt or change the big system. Well, the thing is that the little system can never change the big system, but the little system can integrate the big system and therein start to do a small amount of change over time, which hopefully in the end, you know, becomes a change of the big system or a disruption of the big system. So that is also exactly how I see it, you know, when, when you, when you work with uh, artists so far, so far, I'm saying, because I'm, I'm hoping, and I believe in that there will definitely be a change. It's a matter of time. So, um, it was a good, uh, it was a good, uh, example, I think.
2: Well, and there are, uh, there are examples. Uh, that it can also work different with governments. I mean, in the 90s, in Korea, the telecommunications law was expiring. And they were needing a lot of time to set up a new one. So for about half a year or even a year, I I don't remember correctly, the market was entirely unregulated and unmeasured from from the government. And this was a period when, in Korea, the Internet Leaped forward, and new products got uh, got developed, and people adapted very quickly to uh, to this new measures because uh, everybody could try out what they wanted to do. And this shows how things can uh, can also work. it's It's one extreme and it's another extreme, of course
1: take the entire internet uh, I was growing up with it it was a fantastic area you could do everything in the beginning it was absolutely free freedom of speech freedom of doing freedom of programming and look where we are today yeah we are in a highly regulated and highly stricted environment and it is good we need rules we need uh, frameworks uh, to interact as societies but The good old days were feeling better for me.
2: (laughs) Well, you just could do a lot more things and a lot easier. And uh, you had a lot more benefits. Look at today's when you're looking at the uh, opening up a web page. First thing you before you can go to the content, you have to agree over and over again to, uh, to the cookie settings. This is really an en- enervating and uh, absolutely unnecessary. Everybody should know by now what cookies are and what they do. And you can do it in a, in a much easier or more complying way to our uh, to our behavior and to our flow of inspiration. But this is not what is done. It, uh, it, it's a very strict, the regulation scheme and uh, we need to, to stick into that is really limiting our expression.
1: I totally agree with you. But you guys, you're sitting in Brussels. You should talk to your European Union lobbyist to make that point very clear. And maybe we should write a, an article in Diplomatic World magazine about the cookie nonsense in the world.
2: And not and not and not only this. Uh, we are only—it's uh, only the peak of the iceberg. <laughs> it is actually
1: so. Let me summarize. We talked about what Johanna was doing. We talked about cross-sectoral innovation, cultural intelligence, and artistic intelligence. Uh, We were listening to a bunch of examples, and we already talked about the challenges. Let's talk about future. Johanna, what are you expecting for the next upcoming three to five years in terms of innovation?
0: Three to five years—you know—it's both a long and a short period. <laughs> um, so um, I can only refer to where I am now and um, where I am with my colleagues and, and, and this research that we are doing. Because as I said, that there are there are many thing, things missing and there are challenges to, to overcome. I think that we can definitely overcome these. But so we are working on um, a cross-sector collaboration exercise as such, as I'm working on this research with a digital innovation expert and a corporate innovation expert. So it's already unique in that way. And that is what I think will be so great about it, actually. Um, And, you know, we work in the way that we are based on our individual experience and we debate that uh, with one another. We debate about that experience and our uh, views uh, with one another. We confront those. And uh, we also do, uh, we have already written um a base for a research and a, like that is more experience-based uh, and based on the, our discussions. And we are also now doing qualitative interviews uh, with six uh, artists, uh, professionals and researchers uh, with then very vast experience on this topic. Let's say I will explain that I have not uh, selected six persons here in Brussels who I may know who are related to this now. We have pinpointed worldwide experts on this, and uh, then also in the same time we will do the we will do the same thing uh, on a COO and CEO uh, level in in corporate in corporate sectors, and uh, yeah. Then beyond that, we will still bring in cases and 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 uh, experience uh, and also of course research review on the topic. So I think that it's. Uh, a, a, a very profound need of doing that kind of exercise. We have been working so much in silos so far, and we cannot respond to the, the challenges and the problems if we are only working in silo. So that is why I'm very excited that we are doing this cross-sectorally together as uh, starters. So we are on an awareness-raising stage on this kind of practice it is done by some operators across the world. I I also know even a company uh, in, in 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 the Netherlands who have been working even over a six year period actually with the company you know uh, on these topics. But I think that all are still uh, about um, you know on there's still the same needs uh, that persist, and we are on a structuration progress of, of, you know, all the data and and experience. uh, uh, And we are trying to put that together to uh, create an easier understanding of this work through also creating a model for this. So that is where we are. And, you know, it's like always, you know, all the information is out there. You have all the solutions in front of you. But you actually just have to decode all of this and put this together and how you put that together. And that can be a very long and um, patience requiring exercise. So we have been working on this for a long time. We started uh, two years ago, I would say, um, this started. So we hopefully will finalize this before summer. And I think that, you know, um, this kind of practice, once again, it will be important both for the wider innovation and for uh, the artist, the culture professions it will have a uh, definitely collateral impact and uh, that's what's so great about it and that is what makes me excited about it and again it comes back to my um you know my what is driving me i've always wanted to 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 work for the valorization of of of, of the art artistic sectors and i do believe that this definitely brings that to another stage that's exciting
2: I think we will see that a lot of uh, that we will see increased speed in change, again, driven f- from the from the technology side, and uh, I think we will we are in a decade or um, a period of change that mankind hasn't seen before in in this volume. And so and this will create unsafety, insecurity. People will uh, become very insecure. Uh, because they will need to deal with all these changes. And this, I think, uh, will be not only, it will start very much, it already started, it will become much stronger within the next five years. And it will accompany us for quite some time longer, I think. And we have to learn to cope with that. And I really think that in a holistic or a cross-sectoral approach, also on innovation and getting people used to be more creative and with their situations and to adapt to change, I think it will, will be one of the key issues we are faced with in the, in the, next, uh, in the next decade.
1: Thank you, Dieter. That was Dieter Brockmeyer, the innovation expert of the Diplomatic World Institute. Thank you, Johanna. Johanna Zu from the IFA Laboratories in Brussels, where she is a director.
0: To the Power of More From Brockmeyer and Salo Innovation Thinking